everybody, and welcome to Transistor Radio, a podcast that's broadcasting everything trans. I'm your Transistor Athena. And I'm Transistor Erin. And this week, we have kind of a follow-up episode. Um, Ish. So, follow-up-ish. <laughs> it's like Transistor Radio, the Fish. sequel, Electric Boogaloo. I, oh I don't gosh. know. That was forced. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, many episodes ago, like back in season one, and it was specifically because I was literally just listening to it earlier, <laughs> episode 18... Um, which is, uh, in episode 18, we discussed how to be a good ally. So we gave advice for people who are not trans, but want to help their trans people, their, their trans folk and friends and people in their life, um, understand and deal with being trans and help them along their journey. And that episode, I'm still quite fond of, um, I haven't listened to all of it, but, uh, I think it was pretty good for that goal, but we wanted to do a follow-up episode that's a little bit more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and this comes from not the perspective of parents, but from the perspective of trans people who have parents, uh, which, shocker, is most trans it's people. It's quite a, just a lot, at least, you know, to some extent-ish. Yeah. You have somewhere you were incubated, and then you are now here, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's typically implied that, you know, at some point you were born, and that means that at some point... In a fashion. Somebody made you... And you might not want to think about that right now, so I apologize. So we're just going to move on because this this is this is going places I don't want to go. Anyway, um, so this episode this week is how to support your trans kids. And mm-hmm. if you're listening, and the episode title is different than what I just said, it's because I came up with a better title when we were uploading it. So <laughs> it might not say that in the title, but we want to talk about how to support trans children as a parent. Um, and what you should do if you've never ex- had any experience with, with trans anything and you want to try and understand and help your child um, transition. And mm-hmm. to be clear, this could be child of any age. This doesn't have to... If you're thinking of a four-year-old, great, cool. You're pretty progressive and I applaud you and I'm happy that there are people like you in the world. If you're thinking of a 24-year-old... Great, cool. You're pretty progressive, and I'm glad that you're here and want to listen. If you're thinking of a 44-year-old, okay, cool, nice making it this far so far, but hey. (laughs) Yeah, congrats on living this long. Like, well done. You're way older than I am, and I'm very happy that you are listening to an internet show hosted by two people who are, like, literally three-fourths your age. Congratulations. You are pretty progressive, and I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Um, so this is meant for anyone who has a trans child. That could be adopted, stepchild, natural child, biological child. Pick your choice of child. Like, if it's a kid, it might even apply to billy goats, but I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that even one. Even mentorship, even, really. Yeah, even, even if... Kind of a godchild situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, but focusing on, like, like, I think most of this advice will be focused on people who are their child's, or the child's guardian. Or fulfilling that role. Again, if it's somebody who's much older than maybe previous guardian. But <laughs> you, you know the kind of role we're talking about. So we're going to go over advice for those sorts of people. Erin, is there anything else you wanted to say before we actually start talking about our topic? No, I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Um, so do you want to start with your first piece of advice? Yeah. Uh, I think my very first piece of advice is probably, in my opinion, it's my first because it's my most essential. Just be there. Period. Whether you are not sure what's going on, whether you don't understand it, my bit of advice is just be present. 
and try to understand, which if you're in this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you are. And I know that for a lot of people who may be listening to that, it was like, well, duh, I, I'm going to be there. But like, there's a difference between being physically there and being emotionally there, being emotionally available. And I feel like a lot of people miss out on just how fucking terrifying <laughs> transition can be for the kid and what it means to tell their parents uh, that whole aspect because they, it, no matter how well you know someone, you don't know their reaction. And for them to come up to somebody as vulnerable and as close to them as a parent, that's, that's tough. And so whether, no matter where you are starting this journey uh, in your understanding, my best advice is just be there with them in some capacity along the way, uh, just trying to make sense. <laughs> And I think, I think kind of going along with that, I, I have my first piece of advice, which I'll save for a little bit, but I think going along with that, like being there emotionally above all else, because my parents handled my transition actually pretty well in hindsight, considering their upbringing and where they started. And much of that is thanks to the fact that my brother came out as gay way before I came out as trans. So they had some experience <laughs> with LGBT stuff before I came out. Um, but it's even then, when they first came out or when I first came out to them and had that conversation, they made it fairly clear and whether they made it clear intentionally or not, they made it clear that they didn't want to talk about it. And here's the thing, like, and, and this is what I think is important because you as the trans, as the parent of a trans person are listening to this podcast, hearing a trans person tell you their experience talking to their parents. So keeping that in mind, I still do not know to this day whether they were okay with talking about it beyond our first conversation the first time I talked to them. Nowadays, they're great with it. They've they really kind of figured it out and helped, but it took several months for them to get to the point where I felt comfortable even mentioning it. And I'm, you know, I was lucky that they were willing to work through it with me and support me and mm -hmm. be there for me and help me in ways that I really needed. Um, and ultimately today I have a much closer and stronger relationship with both of my parents because they supported me in this way. Um, but I can't tell you for sure if my read of them was correct on the first six or so months where I thought if I brought it up, it was a bad idea and it was just going to start an argument. Mm -hmm. And that's why being there emotionally, making it clear that you are available to talk to if you need to, and that you will not judge them or, you know, be upset with them or anything for talking about something that is so sensitive is critical. Because of the difference between knowing if it's okay to talk about this or living in fear is the difference between a trans child who transitions at a reasonable pace to a trans child who delays the start of their transition nine months because they have nobody to talk to. Which does expose things to just a dangerous mental health state and just makes it harder and harder to move forward. And I, I mentioned the uh, being present. And like I said, you don't even have to understand. You just got to be there to listen and try. You may want to have something else to say. You may want to try to fix things and say things, but that's not always the best thing. Always time. A lot of the times they're going to come to you with a problem. And if that's it, a lot of the times they just want someone to listen because, I mean, it's a scary thing. It's, they may not have somebody who's there to listen. So I think it's really important for the kids to have just a parental figure for them to, you know, vent to. If they want a solution, great. 
if they don't, they need someone to listen to. And I mention this because uh, you say you had a great event. You you do have a great relationship with your parents. Like I have seen that. I <laughs> at least from my standards of understanding, yes. So uh, with mine, uh, I came out to my dad, and I haven't talked to him since. Like that is my perspective coming into this. Is and and it's not like you know, we were buddy-buddy, great, whatever, it's a whole dynamic, but, like, that is the reality of the situation, is I already hardly ever saw him, and so whenever I came out, he was so not okay with it. Uh, it wasn't exactly how I wanted to do it, either. Uh, but I haven't spoken to him since... I mean, I haven't spoken to him since before I was out publicly. And I have since had a very nice eventful life since then. I have moved places. I have several jobs, one of which, which is a real big pain in the ass to schedule around, as you can tell. And just going through that kind of experience, feeling like I know for a fact that is there is half, if not more than half of my family that considers me just essentially dead to them is extremely hard to deal with, even at my age. And that is someone who's fully independent, somebody who came out from a fully, like, had their own life, lived on their own, own career, and I still struggled with that fear of having to do that, and it still affects me a lot to this day. And all I was asking was just for somebody to kind of send me messages. They didn't have to fully understand. Yes, that's going to cause some rocky relationships occasionally as we kind of learn our own boundaries, as you learn their boundaries and stuff, but if you are there and it's rough trying to kind of feel your way around what feels a little confusing and disorienting, eventually you're going to find your hold. If you just drop out of the maze right then, well, that's it. <laughs> yep. And I think that is something that I really want to stress, especially if you are somebody who's never dealt with anything LGBT at all. Mm -hmm. If you are listening to this episode and you're thinking, what do I do? My child just came out as trans. You have to understand that, the yes, they just told you this, but they didn't just think of this. It's not like, oh, I think I'm trans. I'm going to go tell you five minutes later. <laughs> it's, I think I'm trans. I'm going to spend the next several months trying to figure out how the heck I possibly tell this to anyone and try and understand who and what I am. And it's very likely that your child has been dealing with this for far longer than they've told you. Mm -hmm. And even if you're the kind of, even if you're saying right now, because I can already hear the thing in your head that you're probably saying, which is, well, I didn't notice any signs. That's irrelevant. They probably <laughs> didn't either. Being trans is one of the hardest things to figure out. And it takes ages of therapy. It took me nine months of therapy to get to the point where I said, yes, I'm positive I'm trans. And... I'm now hosting a trans podcast. Like, <laughs> I'm sure in my identity, and it still took me nearly a year to accept it. Mm -hmm. And I was told by many people, where were the signs? I didn't have any signs. Yep. And that's so gay. Like, they're not going to have signs. You did and definitely just say that's so gay instead of that's okay. And no. I know I just want to focus on it. And now no. we're good. We can move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Oh, great. We started a new meme. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so the reason that I say all of that and the reason why I think it's so important to understand that context is you are listening right now to the two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. One person, me, who got lucky and their parents stuck around and one person who did not Hi. get lucky and lost her dad and 
not because her dad is dead. And the, the reason I stress that is, unfortunately, in the trans community, there is a reason I said I got lucky. I have heard so many horror stories of children coming out to their parents and their parents disowning them on the mm -hmm. spot. In fact, when I came out to my parents, I brought a friend with me to the conversation because I was sure that I was gonna get kicked out for being a freak. And I am one of the lucky few who still has my parents. Yep. This is the context that your child came to you with and told you what or, or who they were. And this is why you need to be there at, with emotional support and why I can't stress that enough because mm -hmm. they're going through a moment where they're unsure if they're even going to have parents in the future. And that is the kind of fear that they are dealing with. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow and your parents were dead or even worse, not that they're dead, they that don't. they refuse, they're alive and they refuse to talk to you. Yep. That is the fear and the feeling that your child is dealing with right now. Yep. And that's why it's so important and so critical to be there emotionally. And I just want to say that I, I do still talk to my mom and it was not fucking easy transitioning and coming out with that kind of mindset because my household was raised in the 90s in the south where it was pretty homophobic the entire time and it was transphobic in that they were just it it was pure ignorance and awfulness and it just kept kind of breeding and so coming from that kind of household that kept me you know in the closet and then coming out on my own later when I already had my own kind of life and support was still scary but and it wasn't fucking easy uh, there were lots and lots and lots of fights and arguments but here's the thing I still talk to her like I still have my mom in my life and even after a few fights I still have my sister in my life too and it wasn't easy the difference is they kept trying to you know be involved and when you just say nope i'm done that's a pain that is a little hard to describe and really hurtful and you just got to think about that perspective a lot of people think how could you do this to me and from the parents perspective and that's really not the mindset it's they are coming to you exposing like the most raw difficult decision uh, that they've ever done, which is to tell you who they are after battling with this themselves, knowing full and well, you could just say bye that night. Like, that is a hard decision to make, is to tell somebody that. Yeah. And be that kind of exposed. And that's just the context you need. Yeah. I think that was everything I wanted to say on that one. Is there mm -hmm. anything else you want? Nope, that is it. All right. So my first piece of advice, and really there's two here tied together that I think are both critical. And if you're listening to this, you might have already passed this point, but I think it's important going forward. Passed. Passed. The point of no return. No second chance. Oh my God. <laughs> no. No coughing. No. Anyway, um, there, so the two that go hand in hand here are believe your child and recognize that you cannot change your child. And I guess also there's kind of a third one here, which is you are not losing your child. <laughs> yes. So the reason these all go together and 
let's start with believing your child. Mm -hmm. Above all else, if they're telling you this, it's not a phase. Maybe they're going to go to counseling because that's what they want. And that might be what they need, whatever. Mm -hmm. Do what they want, not what you think they need to do. Um, But maybe they're going to go to counseling and realize, oh, no, I was wrong. I just had these feelings and it's really I'm, you know, gender nonconforming or I'm, you know, uh, gender fluid or maybe I'm just Mm non-binary. Whatever it is, they may realize that transitioning and being trans is not the correct identity for them. And that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. But they came to you with the feeling that they were trans and that they were going to have to transition and have to deal with this and go through all these medical procedures that are expensive and time consuming and stuff. Um, and it is critical that your first question is not, are you sure? Or is it just a phase? Your first question should be, how can I help? Mm-hmm. What can I do to, to make this comfortable for you because here's the thing this is why it goes along with you can't change them again what we said earlier yes they are your child and you might be used to telling them what to do and they do it you might be used to shaping them because maybe they're 12 and you know they've just gotten out of middle school and they're your cute little babo like yes you are used to being the parent but in this case they are dealing with a part of themselves that they have to understand for themselves. You can't do this for them. You can't tell them who they're going to be when they grow up. They have to figure out who they're going to be when they grow up. And that's why you need to believe them and recognize that what they're telling you, only they can change it. Yep. And the last one here is you are not losing your child. The thing that I heard from my parents was it felt like they were losing their son. And in a way, they did. They lost the asshole, disgusting piece of shit person that I used to be. They lost that paradigm they had that was, to their understanding, their son. (laughs) Yeah. And they've told me this themselves, um, which has always made me quite happy inside when they told me that, that they recognize that I am a much happier, better person now than I was before transition. And that is the thing that I think you should take away above all else. Your child is not trying to fly in the face of whatever it is that you thought you wanted for them. You're not losing the daughter that's gonna grow up and give you cute kids or the son that's gonna grow up and give you, you know, I don't know, a, a legacy cute and a family. Kids, and like... Cute kids, and stuff. like really that's all it's about, isn't it? Cute <laughs> kids. You are not losing that. What you are losing is a depressed person who is unlikely to be able to reconcile and understand themselves and statistically speaking isn't going to be around for much longer that's the unfortunate truth of the situation and it's important to know some statistics here and unfortunately i cannot remember the survey that i saw that did this but uh, statistically speaking um just believing and supporting your child and accepting that they are trans drops their rate their likelihood of suicide by 50 percent yep it's Massive. It is the single best thing that you can do for your trans child. And that's why it's so critical to understand you're not losing your child. You are gaining a happier, healthier version of your child. And I would like to add to that 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 50% brings the rate down to every other American that is yep. in the seating. So it, it literally completely negates that kind of feeling of being unaccepted, unwanted by the family, by those around you. 
and all it takes is you being present and believing, uh, respecting that. I mean, when I started my transition, I sure as hell didn't know 100% what was going on. I just knew that I was starting this journey. I didn't come out until I had already found my answer. A lot of the people who are coming out probably don't have their answer yet, and that's totally fine. But you've got to understand and work with them, believe them, and talk with them through the whole process, no matter where that leads them. If they find out that, well, they're cis, they were just trying to understand other aspects of themselves, that's great. If they find out that they're non-binary or they are part of some binary or whatever their expression is, that's also great. The important thing is being there to just support them as they figure that out. And that's going to take you believing and working with them and supporting them through that process. You're not losing somebody. You're helping them grow into the person they know they can be. <laughs> and I think that's where, by the way, real quick, um, you said cis, so I just want to clarify for anyone listening um, who may not be super familiar with these terms. We've been saying trans, which is transgender. Um, if you found this podcast, you probably knew that one because we don't include transgender in the title of this podcast. Um, so. <laughs> Trans is transgender, cis is cisgender. The only difference between the two is trans means born one to way travel and, from. and went from that to the other. And cis just means born one to way and stayed that way. To stay the same, literally. Trans is like, like translate, you translate, you move something from one place to another. Cis would be to stay the same. <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's just Latin. Yes. So, yeah, anyway, that's what the term is. I that's took four means. years of Latin. Yeah, yeah, I did not. <laughs> These four things of Aaron's advice of being there emotionally for them or just being there for them, period. And my advice of believing them, recognizing that you can't change them and recognizing that you're not losing your child are the four things you can do to literally save your child's life, statistically speaking. Mm -hmm. Again, we mentioned it earlier with the suicide rate. It drops from 55% to 5%, which is again, the standard suicide rate. Like 40% to 25% is what I saw, but the- no, I- yeah, it's 55 to 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's literally 50%. Like, right. you go out... I guess you're not dropping it from 50 by 50% in half. You mm-hmm. are cutting 50% off the number. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's enormous. Um, it is... So, they are the most important things you can do. Everything that we talk about from this point on mm-hmm. is... We wish our parents had done this, but... I got lucky and my parents did the first four. Yep. And I'm still here. You got lucky. Your mom did the first four, even if it took some controlling. Mm-hmm. And she's still in your life. These are the important ones. And I'd, I'd like to point out that that statistic is often one talking point that's used to hurt. Uh, and that was the one thing my dad said, which I find horribly ironic, was, I know the statistics and I don't want to lose my child. And then he proceeds to drop me out of his life. Yep. And that's the thing, right? Like saying, I don't want to lose my child. You're not going to be trans is saying, I don't want to lose my child. I'm going to lose my child. I'm choosing to lose my child. Is like what it is. <laughs> you have a choice and the choice before you is keep this child in your life because you love and support them and they are your child or not have this child in your life because you are a monster. Like those are your two choices. So choose wisely. I think it's a pretty easy choice from my perspective, but <laughs> Choose wisely. There's a lot of uh, talk of love this and that, but I, then this is just my own personal philosophy of loving someone's an act. 
which means you can say whatever, but it's got to be backed up by actions. And you can say you love your kid, but if you don't show them, if you don't show the world and you don't, you know, show yourself, <laughs> it's it's just air. Yep. You got to back it up. Absolutely. All right. So that was my first piece of advice. Mm -hmm. um, do you have another one that you want to share? Yeah. Uh, this is one for those fixers. If there's somebody who likes to, you know, help their kid out in one way, they really like to be that problem solver. My number one advice is wait for them to ask you for help. <laughs> but once they do, uh, helping them find resources, such as maybe they want to find a therapist, maybe they want to find that, uh, that can actually be a nice little bonding experience, I've found. I will say that was actually slightly contradictory to the thing I was going to say, because the thing I was going to say is ask how you can help. Mm -hmm. But I think going along with that, it's okay to ask, how can I help? Yeah. Recognize that if they say, I don't know yet, or there's nothing you can do right now, just be there for me. Yeah, of course. Like, I think what you said is, is excellent. And, and it's, we're not saying it from the sense of you can't talk to them about solutions. We're saying it from the perspective of let them set the pace. Yes, and that's, that's what mm -hmm. I'm really talking about there is when I say uh, wait for them to ask, I'm not saying don't ask for help. I'm saying don't come to them like they're a problem to solve. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> don't show up and say, hey, I found these three therapists. Would you like to pick one? That being said, if they say, if like you <laughs> ask, how can I help? And they say, help me find a therapist. Then the correct response is, hey, here are these three therapists that I found. Mm -hmm. Go pick one. Yep. Right? Like, that's the difference is you want, this is their journey and it's a long one. For context, like, it took me two years to get to the point where I said I was done transitioning and that was fast. Like, that is a speedy Gonzalez transition <laughs> for, um, trans people like it does not always go very quickly They they may be on this path for years maybe more than a decade in some cases like it's going to be a long time yep. and recognizing that is they need to move at the pace that's comfortable for them yep. for some people like me that's as fast as humanly possible for others it's a slower process as they seek to slowly transition and accept their life and the best thing you can do is just say how can i help and accept whatever answer they give you if the answer is no great it's no and yep that's okay. And that can feel frustrating for us sometimes to be like, I'm seeing my kid hurt, but I don't know how to help them. And then you ask and they say, I don't know just yet. Well, sorry, they don't know. Yeah. So, and, and mm -hmm. I know that's frustrating, but, um, it can be a little daunting to have, uh, somebody coming up to you because it starts to feel like I can fix you is what it comes across, especially yeah. at a sensitive time while you're trying to figure yourself out. Um, and that absolutely does not have to be your intent. Obviously, I'm saying love is an act, but you've also got to be empathetic for that to to understand your concept. So, yay acting. Wait, wait for the right time. <laughs> so, wait for the right circumstance. Yeah. And I think that kind of, like, rolls up nicely as let them choose what actions to take. Yeah. Right? Like, let them be the driver. You can be supporting them. Like, if they're the driver of a car, you can be the car that's taking them places mm -hmm. by, you know helping them get the resources they need for therapy or hormones or, or anything like you can be the person who is helping them get the support they need, mm -hmm. but they have to choose what support they need. And again, it can be really easy to go listen to a podcast that gives you a lot of advice and then take that advice and try and apply step one through five of the right. solve <laughs> my trans child's parents or my trans child's problems 
parental problems. Plan. I like it. Right, like you could write a whole solution document and you know give it step by step, but they have to choose the steps. Mm-hmm. Their transitioning is highly personal, and not everyone does it in the same way. Not everyone goes on hormones. Not everyone gets surgery. Not everyone goes to therapy. There are different strokes for different folks. So let your folk choose the stroke that well, is good. We're going down this road now. Okay. <laughs> we're down it. We're past it. <laughs> All right. It was a bumpy road, but we got there. We're on the other side of oh it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That kind of rolled a bunch of my advice together. All right. Actually. So, uh, did you have any other advice? To yeah, actually. Um, the thing that I think is actually really, it, it's hard to notice in your life, but it, it is very apparent as soon as you are if like open about yourself with yourself. So when you are trans, you start to notice some hurtful things being said with certain frequency or certain jokes that are really like, oh, the punchline is that they're trans and that's a bad thing in this context, in that joke. And so I, I think it's nice to support kids in non-direct ways. Don't be the person going, well, my trans daughter is here and I'm just, that's, don't, don't make them a spotlight, but, you know, go to bat for them whenever. If you hear someone saying something rude the same way as if it was before transition, you know, help your kid just kind of get through. Don't let people be mean. And yeah. it's really easy for people to be mean and when they don't understand. So maybe help them understand. Don't, and you don't have to say, my kid's trans. Just be like, hey, you know that it's like this and this, right? Just matter of fact, don't even bring your kid into it. If they know it, whatever, just loving parent, you know? Someone's attacking your kid or being just rude and whatever, you know? I think it it stands to help change that idea of society of it being acceptable to beat up on somebody lower on the quote-unquote social ladder because that's what we've been taught to do with anybody who is LGBT is to punch them down. There's a lot of cases, and I think it, having parents there, especially older older parents uh, of kids, you see those photos all the time from uh, gay prides uh, parades from like the 60s and 70s of saying, I'm proud of my two, uh, I'm proud of my gay son, and then you see them years later at the same protest with the same sign of saying, I'm still proud of my gay son. Like That kind of openness and support is great, and I think yeah. it's, it really helps to have that kind of those kind of discussions whenever they do come up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think going along with that, I want to also talk about like how to support them. Like we, so, so the reason I'm saying this is mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about this in episode 18. So if you want a deeper discussion about this, go to episode 18. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to know like, yes, A, if, if your child is being bullied and that could be by anyone, that could be derogatory marks from other parents. Cause guess what? Being trans in a world that is hostile to trans people sucks dicks. Um, but the thing that I wanted to say here is the the things that you say also matter, and there are things you can say that are unintentional that might upset a trans person. So, for example, um, a, a good one is like ask them what name and pronouns they want to go by, and then try and use those. Um, so if they say, you know, oh, I, you know, want to go by. They, uh, they, them pronouns, well, I figured this out, so please refer to me as they or them instead mm-hmm. of he or she or whatever it was beforehand. And I want to go by this name, then, you know, 
go by what they asked. And if you mess up, don't call attention to it. Don't be yeah. like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to screw up your pronouns. Let me fix them here. Like, just do it like you would if you accidentally called, you know, your, your best friend. or whatever. Yeah, if you accidentally called your boss, hey girl, instead of, hey dude, or whatever, which is a weird thing to say to your boss. Don't, anyway. I say dude is, to my boss. <laughs> <laughs> if you mess up, you know, with, with someone who is not trans, you don't call attention to it and be like, oh God, I screwed up your pronouns. Mm -hmm. You just fix the problem and move on. Yep. Um, and do the same thing with your child. If you mess up the pronoun, that's okay. It's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, change your sentence. Don't call attention to it and move on. Um, try and use the right name when you can and definitely double check if they're comfortable with those pronouns in front of everyone or only in front of family because yep. um, their boundaries oh. may vary. I just thought of something that was also, it's very relevant to this. Um, if we are in a situation where it's public and you can, you're with them and you see that they might, or you hear something, see if they're comfortable. Like if you see something that, or you hear some kind of talk and it's not exactly positive or whether it's directed at them or not, you know, just kind of check saying you want to get going, you want to move or just making sure they feel safe, you know. And it's clear to be subtle about that. It's not like that person said a rude comment, right. are you okay? It's right. like that person said a rude comment and you know, maybe pull them aside and say like, hey, do you wanna get going? Like try yeah. and do it subtly. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that if that person said, oh, your child is a jackass and your child is standing right there, you would, well, in that case, you'd probably tell the person. I mean, if it's direct. <laughs> but you know, if it were indirect, you would probably try and do it in a subtle way. So again, same rules apply here It's the same as any other case where your child yep. is being bullied or, or, or made People are being dicks in public because yep. people see that as a forum with which they can be a dick. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, I have one actually related to therapists, which we talked about quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to say two things on therapists. First, first is if your child has asked for help finding a therapist, make sure you look for gender therapist. Um, in the same way that you would not go, and it's also important, um, make sure that does not include the words gender conversion therapist, because that's bad. Um, Very. But you wanna find a therapist that specializes in LGBT issues and hopefully trans issues specifically, although those are more rare. So you're probably looking for an LGBT therapist, but they may also mention themselves as gender therapist, transgender mm -hmm. therapist, something along those lines. What you are looking for, also, I'm gonna say this, no offense to anyone who is religious, but you probably don't want a therapist who says they are both LGBT and very orthodox religious, and because those tend to not agree and tend to indicate conversion therapy, even if they're not saying conversion therapy. Yes, and th that's really what the thing is. Um, this is not a statement against any sort of religious standing or whatever, it's just a fact in our world where a lot of times that is the signifier for uh, conversion therapist, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, is to say they are a person who focuses on LGBT issues specifically with such and such values, you know, uh, such and such religious values. And that is kind of a wink and nudge poke kind of thing to say this is uh, to help your kid not be gay, not be trans, not be anything in the LGBTQ yeah. label. And it's very 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 dangerous and it's, harmful yes it is it's the absolute worst thing you can do for your kid literally goes against all the advice <laughs> the thing that i think i want to mention well there, there's a few things but uh first off when you're looking for a therapist or helping your child look for a therapist uh the thing you are looking for is something that mentions the wpath standards of care 
Um, I've so, never heard of that. What is that? Oh, okay. So WPATH is um, an organization that seeks to provide standards of care to um, medical professionals for trans people. So if a oh. therapist says they follow the WPATH standards of care, they are following an organization that is actively advocating for trans rights and trans support and trans awareness. I have learned a thing. Uh, they have a massive document that's like 100 pages long of all the things you're supposed to do to, to help trans people. And it's stuff that is like medically and scientifically proven. So um, World Professional Association for Transgender Health, that is what WPATH stands for. Oh. Um, so I recommend if you can find a therapist that specifically mentions WPATH. Uh, when you first go meet with a therapist, you can also ask them if they know what WPATH is. That can be a good way to gauge mm -hmm. which one they are. Um, but that's kind of what you're looking for. And the other thing to keep in mind here is, first off, if your child already has a therapist, don't try and make them change it. Like, don't force them to don't change it. Don't for a second. Remember what we said earlier about believing them. Don't think they just got this idea because they went to a bad therapist. I got that. I got when that I came out. from my from my parents. <laughs> don't don't do that. Um, the correct thing to do is if they're already going to a therapist, um, let them keep going to that therapist. And then the other thing mm -hmm. I wanted to say is it's totally okay if you feel like you also need a therapist to talk about. Yeah, this is a whole big life change. And while they are definitely going through transition, you're going to have some struggles in there too. So it's nice to have somebody to talk to about your own journey. Uh, oh, this is one that I feel like is as soon as quick. Before we move on from this, I just wanted to say real quick um, on the therapist thing, um, if you are considering going to a therapist, firstly, it's probably a good idea to go to a different therapist than your child's. Um, I don't think they can even do that legally. <laughs> yeah, it, even if they can, it's just going to get really awkward for them. So like, I would just go to a different therapist. And then also the therapist that you go to, I would recommend also going to an LGBTQ therapist, even mm -hmm. if you are not. Um, because therapists who work in this area are going to be very familiar with what the child is going through, what they're experiencing, mm -hmm. and what you can do to help. They're going to be able to give you much more targeted advice and really help you. Um, the same way if, if you go to any other therapist for any other specific reason, you know, if yeah. you're dealing with childhood trauma, you want to find somebody who's got experience with it. You're dealing with somebody who's got LGBT uh, issues they're struggling with, either whatever that is, you want to find somebody who's got experience with it. Yeah. So. And if you already go to a therapist, you can always talk to them and see yeah. if they have any advice or if they're comfortable talking about it. And if they're not, then um, you can seek someone who's more knowledgeable in the area. Right. So. Uh, that was everything I wanted to say about a therapist. What was your quick Mine was a quick one. Uh, the average cost of therapy is not something a lot of people think about when they start thinking that. Um, and I know that's a very big range, but I just wanted to give the numbers that I've seen. I tried to find a new one recently, and you you saw the price tag and was like, that's a little high. And I was like, I'm glad it's not just me. I mean, I spent 100 bucks a month on therapy. That A month? How many times did you go? Once. Once, right. I, I went for about 100 a session. I started at 110. Uh, and because I was so regular and consistent, they brought it down for me. Uh, and that was like after a month of weekly sessions. So that was quite a few sessions. Uh, but like expect about 100-ish per session. Well, that's going to vary. Also, that's going to vary depending on if you have insurance coverage for it or not. Oh, that's true. Um, and it's also going to vary depending on location and region. Mm -hmm. Like the price of therapy it, varies very, drastically. It, so I wouldn't, I, w I wouldn't use 100 
as a gauge. Right. I would, I mean, that is what I paid and that is about what you paid, but Uh, I've heard people who pay way less and I've heard people who had to pay way more. Yes. Obviously it's going to be case by case basis, but I I know some people who kind of go into this thinking I'll spend $30 on therapy. It's not going to be that cheap. And I've never known any therapist ever to be that. I think the cheapest I have ever seen has gone 60, but that is just from my area growing up. So that's, that is, that is just, I don't want you guys to have sticker shock and to be like, nope, can't do that. Just something to plan for, you know? Yeah, I would plan high. Like, yes. I doubt you're going to see anything. I would hope for 100 and shoot for that, but I doubt you'd see anything above 200. You might. And if you can afford that, go nuts. Mm-hmm. But um, I think keep in mind that it's probably going to be kind of expensive. And especially if you've gone to therapy before mm-hmm. and you have insurance coverage for therapy, this might be more expensive than that because many insurance plans and employers unfortunately do not include trans care in their insurance. So your insurance and everything your child is doing may not be covered. Um, And that's just the sad reality of healthcare in America. And obviously in other countries, it's going to vary wildly. Like we can only give advice for the America, for the U S. But yeah, it, it may end up being fairly expensive and, which is yay America. Yep, and I, I want to say I went to weekly sessions mainly because A, I could afford it. B, I liked it and really wanted that kind of frequency. Uh, my therapist was cool with that kind of frequency. So we just went, I got to really know her. She was great. Um, but that is not like anything to base off of thinking like, I need to pay $100 a week for my kid to go to therapy or I they're going to be paying X amount a month on this. Like it's going to vary case by case just yep. like therapists and so like i i did that because i felt it was necessary for me i could very easily afford it at the time i was happy with it and i had the savings to account for that kind of frequency because i was scared to death yeah <laughs> and so i wanted like that extra insurance so whether i necessarily quote unquote needed it I can't be sure, but I wanted it to feel secure with me and my anxiety issues. Uh, it felt better with me ha- knowing I had a weekly checkup versus I may not see them for a month, you know? So that yeah. was just personal to me. Yep. And I was, um, I started out going once every other week and then slowly over time reduced it to a month, mm-hmm. once a month as I got more and more comfortable. And eventually like, I don't seek a therapist anymore. And with rare exception, I rarely feel the need to go to one. Um, so it's going to vary. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's different. And therapy, again, like, and I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway I'd want you to have is someone who's listening this far into the episode. Um, being trans is just like being a person. They are a person <laughs> dealing with person things. Yep. And they would like your support. And they like your understanding and they might need a therapist and they might need hormones. They might need medicine, you know, just like you get medicine for anything. It's just them and who they are. So yeah. just, you know, support them and recognize that they're going to need to move at a different pace, just in the same way that I don't run as fast as Usain Bolt. <laughs> like, it's just the thing. Yep. It's, it's just who they are, the reality of their situation and what they're doing to kind of be more happy with it, you know? Yep. And that's, I feel like that's the important thing is we just want them safe and happy. Yeah. That, that should be the main goal. If they're safe and they're happy, or even if they're not happy, but they understand what they need to do to be happy, because that's the thing, right? Like dysphoria sucks. They're going to feel really upset with their body a lot. And 
that's okay. Like, it's hard to fix that. Like, it is hard to wake up and feel like you don't belong in the body that you are stuck in and recognize how awful it is and how much work you have to do left to fix it. Like, it's an agonizing pain that I can't express in any sense unless you've experienced and it. And not just like a mental pain. I Mine manifested physically. I had a physical pain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had just like severe depression and anxiety and, and mental mm -hmm. pain issues. I did not have any physical pain, but it varies. Like, right. they're going to go through a lot to get to where they're going to be happy, but, and they may end up not happy. Like we did an entire episode called It's Okay to Not Be Happy After Transition. Yep. Because, you know, what they're doing right now is trying to fix an issue that is bothering them. And for me, like it was a big all-consuming issue. And after I fixed it, I realized there were more issues that were not just covered by that one particular issue. And I had other stuff to fix. Like being trans kind of consumes you. And after they're done, we're... the reason I want to... I'm saying all this is I don't want you to think that the end goal is their happiness. The end goal is them comfortable in their body, whether they're happy or not, because they're still going to get sad. They're still going to get upset, but they're hopefully <laughs> it is not going a cure -all. to be comfortable in their own skin. And that's what we're shooting for mm -hmm. above all else. I, uh, like I said, I still deal with major depression. It is a literal genetic thing in my family that I deal with. Uh, but now I'm dealing with that and much less dysphoria rather than that and dysphoria, which is while still a pain in the ass, uh, it is much less a pain in the ass now that I'm far more comfortable in my body, I'm more comfortable with my presentation, I'm not thinking about how uncomfortable I am in XYZ situation because of physical things. It's more of just the actual day-to-day -day of what's going on in my personal life, and it's very, very much easier to manage one massive issue rather than having to have that massive issue compounded fueled by another one <laughs> so absolutely i think that's that's a yeah yeah <laughs> all of that everything <laughs> i think that's all the advice that i wanted to give um there's certainly more that we could talk about like being the parent of a trans child means there's going to be a lot of stuff you never thought you'd have to deal with and that's okay. Um, you can always email us. And mm -hmm. if we don't know the answer, we can hopefully point you to a Google resource that does. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a good spot to, to kind of bring our main topic to a close. I have one more thing. What's your one more thing? You're now a transparent. You're transparent. Congratulations. <laughs> when you show up at work, they're going to be looking for you because you're invisible now. Mr. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, don't even know my name, Mr. Cellophane. All right, Chicago fans, nothing? All right. Oh my gosh. I don't even know that song. <laughs> I played it for you. It was like three months ago, but I played it for you. <laughs> oh my God. I want to listen right. to it again. Yeah. Um, so that was everything that I wanted to say on that topic. Aaron, is there anything you wanted to say before that we move on to a really silly thing? Is it. Let's head on to the silly thing. All right. Actually, before we jump to the really silly thing, I want to talk about some housekeeping stuff for the podcast. All right. Um, so this is our penultimate episode. There is one more episode in this season, and that's going to be the season finale episode. So we've done a season finale before. We kind of looked back at our previous season and where we want to go next. And we're going to do the same thing here. Um, yep. So tune in that 
for us to kind of look back at some of our favorite moments and our favorite episodes and discuss what went well, what we didn't like, and also what we're going to do in the future. So if you want to know what's going to happen, there is going to be a Transistor Radio Season 3. Um, please tune in for, for how we're going to do that. We've got a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about there um, to do that. Also, a fun thing that might be interesting if we get enough feedback is uh, maybe send us some emails with or tweets or something with your favorite moment from Season 2 or Season 1. Um, if you include a timestamp, maybe we'll play the clip. Um, but if you are unaware, you know, we also have funny random bits at the end of literally every episode. So if you've listened up to this far and didn't know that fact, ha, you yeah, have some listening to Yeah, you. go listen to some old episodes because there's every single episode since I think like the third one. I've literally never not had something at the end. Yeah, has something funny after the uh, outro music. So maybe go give that a listen and maybe listen to this one. Um, or the one that's coming up. So... Yeah, but I think it's going to be fun. So if you have any thoughts or, or anything that you liked about Season 2 or that you want to talk about or anything you'd like us to change about Season 2 um, going forward, uh, if you've got any ideas, just you know, send us an email. Um, staff at StoryThusFar.com. We're going to say it in our outro, too, in case you forget it. Yep. And you're like me and have a 30-second memory. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think um, that's going to be next week's episode. So a little different than the others. It's the end of the season. should be a good time. Come tune in. Bring drinks, coffee, chocolate. Coffee yeah. oh, and chocolate. especially coffee, and if you can, bring some coffee for me, because I'm probably going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long month. Oh my god, yes. <sighs> all right. Well, that's all our housekeeping stuff. Mm -hmm. So, really silly thing. Uh, it's mine this week, and uh, it's a little game that you might have heard of called Greedfall, uh, which that's greed, like dollar dollar bills, y'all, and fall, <laughs> like... See you later. Greed. Have a nice trip. See you next fall. Greed, the lamest of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck greed. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, seven deadly sins. Anyway, <laughs> Greedfall is fabulous. Uh, I haven't played a ton of it. I played about 10 hours at this point um, because Slight Aspire is still absorbing my time. And also, I really got inspired to continue writing. So, mm -hmm. you know, time's gone places. But what I have played of Greedfall is fantastic. Um, so Greedfall is a, uh, like role-playing game. Uh, if you like old Bioware games, like it gives me massive, like mass effect flashbacks and in just the way that it really focuses on dialogue and, um, character interaction and making powerful choices. Third person open world RPG. That's what I was going for. Yep. So it's third person. It's open world ish the reason i say open world ish is it's the kind of open world game where there are these big open maps but they connect and you have to travel between them so it's assassin's creed 2 yeah assassin's creed 2 is a good example where there's <laughs> there's open world segments but it's not completely open world um like i don't know assassin's creed 4 right like it's not oh, that yeah, kind yeah. of open world the best fucking one <laughs> fight me um <laughs> on a ship <laughs> so it's also uh it's third person action so the action actually feels um it's it has this like tactical pause menu, which is kind of Dragon Age-ish, but the combat to me feels more like, um, like it has a lot of intense on like blocking and dodging. I am playing on hard difficulty, so maybe that's, you know, throwing it up. But it does, in some ways, like it's focused a lot on parrying, and in some ways it feels kind of like Dark Souls in that perspective. Not in the sense of like it's going to kick your ass and attack movements are slow, but you have to pay attention to your animations and, you mm -hmm. know, can't It's very tight combat. Yeah, I won't say it's very tight because there are moments where you can tell that it is not a triple A game. Um, <laughs> okay, then. Like, it, it sometimes struggles a little bit. The combat can sometimes feel a little unfair if you're not paying attention, but it's still a ton of fun. There's a lot of like strategic depth. 
the amount of character building you get to do from just like building out your stats and min maxing that stuff is really cool also the setting i'm a sucker for uh it is set in like colonial like it's a fictional world but it's closest to like colonial era britain where mm -hmm. you you are a ruling monarch or or the child of a ruling monarch you're a diplomat and you get on a ship and sail to a new uh island that they've found and are colonizing and you're helping their colonization effort and trying to like find stuff it's super cool it's got magic crossed with this really cool like victorian setting um and it's it's absolutely fabulous i it's can't beautiful. recommend it enough it's it, pretty i i will say like if you are expecting like a triple a rpg like cyberpunk 2077 it's not, not that quite <laughs> this is a like i've heard it described as a double a game so it's not quite triple a <laughs> it's developed by a smaller studio uh and published by a smaller publisher but it's worth it it the thing that you think you should take away is if you are craving an RPG that has a solid story and really interesting choices, you will not be disappointed. I literally in the first hour of the game was sat there staring at a choice that I had to make, trying to determine which one was the correct choice to make. And I was only an hour into the game and I was already like, oh my God, the consequences are insane. Like I told Aaron about a little side yep. quest that I went on where I had like nine different choices that fundamentally changed the way the side quest came out. It's amazing. It's if that is the kind of thing that you love about an RPG of literally like role playing and going through the story, you are going to have such a good time and everything else that it does correctly is just gravy on top. It's fabulous. I I'm blown away by it. It's worth every penny. So that is Greedfall. Uh, I think it's on PS4, Xbox One and PC. I'm playing it on PC and it's pretty great. Um, go check it out. I think it's worth it. It's, it's worth your time. And if you can't afford it right now, add it to your wish list and hold on to it because it's probably going to go on sale at some point, mm. and it's it's worth it. It's a, it's a fabulous game. Every uh, I'm so ruined by the internet that every time you say double uh, A game, I can't just I just think of the stupid vine of them going through the batteries of ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Go. Huh. So anyway, that's Greedfall. Go check it out. Um. That's a really silly thing. Aaron, was there anything else that you wanted to say uh, this episode? I love our trans siblings. Oh, I love our trans siblings too. Well, with that, this has been Trans Sister Radio, broadcasting everything trans, a story thus far network podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to talk about, you can send us an email with TSR or Trans Sister Radio in the subject line to staff at storythusfar.com. You can also send us a tweet at our Twitter page, which is at storythusfar, or contact us via Facebook at facebook.com slash storythusfar. And if you're like me and can't remember anything for more than 30 seconds, you can always head to www.storythusfar.com and find everything that I just mentioned and even more great content. But anyway, that's it for this episode of Transistor Radio. We'll catch up with you next time, but until then, it's time for us to end transmission. Oh, Bye. Oh, it's 30 on too high. Oh my God, no. We're committed. That means that if you or subscribe right now, this season. if that means if you subscribe right now, you get a free pin. <laughs> if you, uh, yes. if yes. you subscribe before uh, September 16th. Yeah, that's a, see.
It's the 18th right now. That's the thing about penultimate episodes that really confuse people. It's not about, like, everyone always thought penultimate meant, like, before, like, before the last one. And in some cases it does. But in podcasting, everyone knows that penultimate is the episode where they give away pens. Mm-hmm. The problem is that you have to know it's the penultimate episode, and you have to be listening to the episode before it's recorded. Because mm-hmm. if you yeah. listen to it while it's recorded, it's no longer the penultimate episode, because it's been recorded now. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's why straight fucked. it's so hard to get a pen from podcasters. Like, go up to any podcaster and be like, hey, can I get a pen? And they'll probably be like, no, this is 2019, fuck off. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's the penultimate episode. They probably mm-hmm. recorded their penultimate episode like a year ago. You know what? Uh, let's put a pen in this for now. <laughs> You're right.